Welcome to I'm Anxious About, a podcast where two friends commiserate about our respective anxieties on a new topic each episode. I'm Christopher Mitchell. And I'm Allison Green. And today we are anxious about live music. starts to slowly move towards opening up and the new normal will start to hopefully revert to a bit of the old normal a bit. Live music is going to be one of the last things to come back, which I'm grateful for personally because I'm very anxious <laughs> about it. But we thought it would be a topic that maybe some of you can relate to and maybe some of you will be like, what? I love live music. It's like one of the only things that doesn't make me feel anxious. So um, I think Chris and I are kind of on bit different end of the spectrum here. I think it'll probably not come as a surprise that I'm the cranky one about live music. (laughs) Yes. It's not too dissimilar from the I'm anxious about bananas episode where it was like, how could one be anxious about this? And by the end, there was a lot of clarity around that. So I think we'll probably get a lot of clarity. A lot of clarity. I think we'll probably get to a similar place with this one. But like anything, I mean, I think it's not totally black and white. I mean, it may be for you, but for me, there's a, like, (laughs) I do really love live music actually, but there are certain elements of it that do make me anxious and we'll get into that. I mean, it's a high pressure moment, right? Like it's an intense human interaction at the very least, however you feel about it. It's pretty intense. Yeah. And it's very much a place where you can get sensory overload. Mm -hmm. If you're noise and sound sensitive, like I am, it can be very overstimulating and that can trigger anxiety and panic responses. So I think that's kind of where some of my issues with it come in. But then there's also lots of other fun things that I just get grinchy about. So we'll go into that in a little bit. But first, let's check in with each other, our scale. So every week we do a check-in where we ask each other, Oh my God. You do this, Chris, because I'm freaking, I cannot ever remember. You always introduce this, so I'm I'm hopeless at this. <laughs> well, <don't laughs> Explain get, what the scale is. Don't get anxious about it. So yeah, now that I'm on the spot, like, do you think I'm going to fail? I could fail miserably here. No, I won't. I'm going to carry the flag that you passed over to me. <laughs> so yeah, each week we like to do a little bit of a check-in, which is a scale of one to something related to that episode. So for example, you know, if we were doing an episode about fire and we said on a scale of one to being on fire, you could assume <laughs> that <laughs> a 10 would be being on fire. So I think I've adequately explained that in layman's terms. And on that note, on a scale of one to being serenaded in public, how are you doing today, Allison? I mean, the answer to that will always be one because that is my greatest fear. (laughs) I would probably try to eliminate anyone who ever tried to serenade me in public. Is eliminate a kind word for murder or you're just trying not to publicly mention (laughs) that you'd murder somebody? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to think of a less 
intense word than murder. I think like eliminates very I- like it's like very Terminator esque. You know, it's like it's almost yeah. cold. It's almost like colder and more bitter because you're you're, you're not <laughs> even going to like do the human act of murdering someone. You're going to Terminator <laughs> eliminate them. <laughs> yeah, that, that backfired wildly. Um, so yeah. I would make sure that they were no longer part of my life in whatever form that took. I would eliminate them. <laughs> I Yeah, yeah. No, serenading, terrifying. Anyway, but regardless of that awful, awful, terrifying scale, I'm pretty good, like one or two. I'm feeling a little bit of anxiety. Because it's tax season approaching deadline. Words are not coming yeah. in a mm-hmm. sentence form mm-hmm. right now. It's I had just you. Like, I mean, taxes. I didn't even flinch. <laughs> I, this is taxes just make me revert to like one word at a time, Neanderthalic sentence formation, like tax bad, numbers <laughs> bad. <laughs> you know. Anyway. <laughs> Tax season has been more taxing than usual because there's this emotional element of 2020 just being like my worst financial year imaginable and kind of seeing like the heights of where the year started to like the crushing lows of spring and summer and just kind of like emotionally reliving that through numbers on a spreadsheet has been kind of distressing. Mm -hmm. And so I've kind of had to deal in like very black and white terms with like oh this is numerically how bad 2020 was for me and it's kind of depressing but I'm trying to sort of reframe it towards like okay but like that instead of comparing my high to my low I should compare my low to my now because Mm -hmm. you know what I mean and like what where I've built back as opposed to like I haven't built back from where I was at this point, you know? So I'm kind of trying to like force myself to be a little nicer to myself because I'm a really big bitch to myself <laughs> all yeah. the time. My misanthropy extends to me primarily. So I'm trying to sort of work on being a little nicer to myself with how I think about that sort of thing. So it's been causing some anxiety, but I'm trying to kind of flip it on its head and stop being so mean to myself. Anyway, it's a mixed bag in terms of success. I really have to <laughs> hammer it over the head and be like, no, you're being nice to yourself. And then I get really mad at myself for not being nice being to nice, myself, yes. which is a little bit defeating the purpose, but I'm trying, I'm trying. So anyway, that's kind of what's been going on in my world over here in the last two weeks. And what about you, Chris, on a scale of one to being serenaded in public? Is this something you would enjoy or would you? No, I, I wouldn't enjoy the- eliminate. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't, uh, I would eliminate them. No, um, <laughs> I, uh, I mean, I wouldn't be totally mortified. I'd be like medium mortified if that's a thing. I just don't like the attention. Like, I think there's probably some things in my life that I'd openly admit I would like attention for. Or like, I think it's like, I'm not scared to admit that I, you know, it's nice to receive praise sometimes for some of the things you're doing, but if it's like attention, that's totally unwanted. Like if some random guy came up to me and was like, you know, look at your chestnut brown eyes. I'd be like, I, oh my, what is occurring? What is occurring? I would probably flee, especially with everything, you know, COVID related. I'd be like, I don't know you. You're serenading me. Uh, singing probably is more 
you know, spittle and such. But anyways, before I get into that, I want to say, I think your point is is really well taken about like not comparing your now to your high, but you're comparing your like now to your low in a way, or just, I think that's a smart way to think about it because the other problem with that too, is that like, we always think about this time in the past, you know, insert X or whatever. And you're like, well, wasn't that just a glorious time? And it's like, you just find this way to forget about all the shit you were going through then too. Right. Like, right. I do this all the time where like, I've been sitting a lot in my apartment and I'm like, yeah, you know, if I could just be back in Istanbul right now, I'm sure, you know, I'd be a little bit better right now. It's like, well, that's just not really true. You know, like that's just not really the case. Um, Istanbul was a great part of my life, but being back there, they're in the middle of an incredible lockdown and things are not going well over there. So it's just like, it's easy to say like, if I was transported back here to this time or this place, things would be better, but it's not always true. And even like your quote unquote, like best times in a place. Thankfully, I have some good things to look back on. Like even in those best times in that place, you always had this underlying current of bullshit you were dealing with in some regard. Right. It's just that when we look back, we were able to look through these rose-colored glasses and be like, yes, it was all truly magnificent. No struggle and strife. Like not compared yeah, I to I was now. not human. I yeah. was just a joy machine. <laughs> That's right. I was truly a joy machine. I was emanating light wherever I went. People were concerned about me. <laughs> people loved, people laughed, people lighted. <laughs> <laughs> people delighted. <laughs> yeah, oh, so, yeah, I know. It's a lot. I didn't expect to go down this path. But to go back to it, how am I? Probably like a three or a four, not too, too bad, but not like amazing. I think I'm just like, things are making a lot of progress over here in Ontario. We're seeing a lot of movement towards things. I don't want to say getting back to normal because I think that's just a strange way to put it, but like things are moving forward in ways that are exciting and all of that kind of stuff, but uh, we're not quite over the hump yet. So I think I'm just like generally a little bored. I've been facing boredom for so long and I can almost taste what non-boredom might feel like, <laughs> but I'm not quite there yet. So it's kind of like, a, it feels like being on the end of a path I've walked for far too long and I'd love to go on another path, but you know, I don't quite have my ticket for that path. I don't know why that's kind of like a ski hill analogy, but I know paths don't <laughs> typically have tickets. Let's presume that it's a shut down ski hill in very the summer. exclusive. Yeah. yeah and you require passes path. to walk on. Yeah. Right. So I've been. Maybe like a permit for like a very popular trail in a national park. Right. So there you go. There we go. A permit. So <laughs> I, that's, that's a lot more functional. So anyways, I've been walking this path for a long, long time and I'm starting to see other people on a path through the woods who are just galloping at this point, uh, skipping, frolicking, having a really good time. But I, I can't quite look to the right and left in healthy ways yet. So I'm just like, well, this path, uh, just keep trucking along. But I do know that apparently I'll be able to buy this pass soon uh, to this more gleeful skipping pass. So anyways, I'm, I'm not doing, I'm not like <laughs> doing horrendous no matter how crap that metaphor was, I'm doing okay, passively. But yeah, probably still like a three or a four. Also, like I had like a good stretch of like a bunch of weeks where I was feeling all kinds of myself. And then like, you know, how like you slowly, at least for me, it shows up in productivity. Like I go to tackle something and then like, I just find like three or four days go by where like, I don't quite accept, like get what I need to done. And then that kind of like, flounders into more almost 
like stutter steps, you know, and then you're just like, oh, okay, I just have to accept that like I'm not 100% right now. I'm just not going to be a million percent, which makes sense because you can't go a million miles an hour all the time. So, but yeah, that's probably one of the longer check-ins I've done without saying much of anything. So let's go with three and There's a very elaborate ski pass slash trail slash path. Yeah, a lot of so. Yeah, that took I mean, up a lot of time in your check-in. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> Trying to figure out what the metaphor was. Yeah, I mean, I think Never I was quite too. Settling. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps all the metaphors work in unison. I'm sure we'll hear about it later. If you did not like that, please do not let us know. Thank you. We appreciate that. I don't want to be anxious about this. <laughs> Alrighty, so. What is it about – so you tend to like the live music experience. I do. So before I go on my Grinch Fest, yes. let's explain what you like about it and then maybe a little bit of what you don't like about I live can do music that. and where the anxiety starts to creep in. Yes, I can definitely do that. So I really actually love live music for the most part because I feel like I've always been – I don't know how to say this without coming across as extremely lame, but I just – I love – the opportunity to connect with people when they're at their most vulnerable. I just find like there's something special about that, about somebody just putting themselves out there totally. And, you know, either they're going to excel and blow my socks off or they're going to not. And for the most part, I feel like I've been to a lot of shows where like I felt like uh, they were extremely memorable, you know, like incredible experiences where I felt something. Um, I think I also miss perhaps unlike you, I kind of like miss the opportunity to be in a room of people sharing an experience. I think that's something that I'm kind of missing pretty intensely just based on how I like to live life. And also for me, this is something I talk about quite a bit. Like I love opportunities to get out of my own head. And so like, that's why I like sports. And that's why I like, I find like live music is so tethered to the present moment that I'm like forced to get rid of my thought patterns of like, I'm thinking about this and this and this and this and this and focus entirely on what's going on in front of me. And so that those are the reasons that I really like live music. And, and we'll dive into some of that more, but I'll just give you the, I'll give you the Cole's notes for, for the, what I like and what I don't like. But what I don't like or what I'm honestly anxious about is that um, I feel like I've always connected to music pretty deeply. Like I think I, I listen to music almost all the time and I follow the artists that I love pretty religiously listen to all their new albums. I've had instances in the past where I've gone to a concert and it's someone who I've like adored. I've like told people to like listen to their albums. I've listened to all of their albums dozens of times. And then I go to their concert and they are just have no spark whatsoever. And I'm like, okay, so I guess like, I guess I can't listen to this person anymore. The example I have is literally Kurt Vile. I don't know if you know the artist Kurt Vile. He's got a mm-hmm. band called The Violators. So it's like sometimes you'll go into like Kurt Vile and The Violators. I like listened to a bunch of his albums and liked his stuff. I think he sounded good. And then uh, Bree and I went to a show and he was the worst. Like he just had no umph and like his voice was always moving in the same intonation over and over again. And it was like, we both cannot listen to Kurt Vile anymore. So I see Brie poking her head in. Do you want to comment on this? Did you have a guest for the first time on the show? It was the absolute worst. <laughs> we couldn't stop laughing. We left early. It was so bad. I just heard Kurt Vile and I had to come over. <laughs> you no, had a okay. violent I, reaction to it? Yeah, I should, I've got headphones on, but Allison said it seems like you had a violent reaction to it. It was, it was vile. <laughs> 
<laughs> there you go. Yeah. So that, <laughs> so the artist was, it's ruined for me. I, I like literally to the point where I'll listen to Spotify playlist. And if he comes on, I just can't, I have to skip the song. So I'm anxious about having my like love for certain artists be muddled. That's happened to a few artists for me because I think perhaps this like this underlying notion of like, I'm I give people the benefit of the doubt or I like to be an optimist or whatever. And so I like want it to be great. And if it's like terrible, like it kind of ruins the experience I had prior. So that's a cursory overview of my pros and cons. I can go and do some more depth later on, but I, I do want to pass the baton back to you. But the fact that Brie had to, to pop her head in and chime in there gives some indication to what a stirring event this was. <laughs> yeah. And she's been holding back for 54 episodes. That's true. So that this is was true. a very, very <laughs> violent reaction. <laughs> Also, I'll just say that there is a leaf blower situation happening on my end of the recording. Hopefully, it's not distracting. I don't hear it too um, bad. And hopefully, you can't hear it. But if you're wondering if I'm being attacked by wild bees, I am not. It's just a leaf blower. So that's sort of good, I guess. All right. So anyway, after that disclaimer, for me, my main anxiety, I don't love the whole live music experience. I've been to a couple shows that I liked. I think my favorite show I went to was the band Metric with my friend. Ooh, um, we I've seen to... Metric live. They're great, aren't they? Yeah, she's got so Emily much spunk Haynes, on stage. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's great. And they're a Canadian band. So they are. I saw them Props at my you guys for... university uh, party. They were playing uh, our oh, Frost so Week. Cool. That's really cool. Yeah, I saw them at some venue in New York, which I can't remember, but it wasn't Terminal 5, which is a venue that I dislike immensely for no logical reason. It's just a stressful <laughs> venue. <laughs> I think it's just from like repeated anxiety experiences when I was like trying to be a person who liked live music and was dating a person who loved live music and was like, this is fine. And it wasn't fine. <laughs> But basically, one reason why I liked that metric show so much was because it was at a venue where I was able to book seats. And so I didn't have to do the whole standing room, like, kind of like, you're always with that one friend who's like, let's push to the front. And you're just like, but, but why? I don't like one, it's too loud. Two, there's too many lights. Three, there's too many people. Four, I can't get out if I'm having a panic attack. Or five, like it's annoying to get drinks or go to the bathroom. Yep, that's the many that's reasons, the big kicker. Yeah. Many reasons to not be in the front. Many reasons. But there's always Agreed. that one friend who's really into being in the front. And you're like, they're not they don't know who you are. They don't care that you're in the front. I'm sorry. It's not that important. Just like let's just chill in the back. It's less stressful there. There's less people, less noise. So yeah, I'm not a big fan of like the whole standing room only yep. kind of show. I'm too old to stand and also kind of a little bit too old to sit as well. But sitting is still better than standing. <laughs> so, yeah, just like the anticipation of physical discomfort while I'm watching a live show and just like standing and like kind of shifting from one foot to the other, trying to find a comfortable way to stand and feeling people kind of press against me and then other people who want to push to the front. And then you act all like offended as if you didn't just do the same thing. That whole experience is not pleasant to me. And then another- th Sorry to totally interrupt. I totally forgot. 
I, I got like a flashback to talking about some of this kind of stuff a little bit. I totally forgot IIA 11 is I'm anxious about festivals. Did you totally forget that? Oh, really? I totally forgot that too. Okay. Yeah. But this is not, this is a different track, but I was, I got like a moment where I was like, huh, like I think we've talked about standing before because I, I too am like, I'm not trying to get in the front or whatever and all that kind of stuff. But I guess, is this what happens when you've run a show for over a year that like sometimes, and you do it every single week where like sometimes you have an episode and you're like, um, yes, okay, uh, Chris from a year ago, I hope you did well on that. <laughs> yeah, I completely blacked out on that. So <laughs> it was either fine and not noticeable or it was traumatic and terrible, which is why I blocked it out. So you'll have to listen and tell us. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny because when we were like, when we were preparing for this Mm -hmm. episode, we were like, all right, so like we're going to cover like concerts and like other random live music, but we're not going to do festivals because that's like, we can do that in a future episode. And so it's hilarious that we both Mm -hmm. forgot that we had recorded. Yes, we are very, very human. Very human. Yes. (laughs) Alarmingly (laughs) human. Continue as you were saying. (laughs) All right. So to continue my grinchiness, one thing that I get anxious about too is like remaining interested and awake throughout the entire show, which is bizarre because I normally have insomnia and like don't want to go to sleep. But for some reason, I always get tired at live music venues, probably because I'm standing so much and I'm not used to standing and I have the you know, stamina of an 85 year old. And so I'm like, Oh, this is, this is really hard. And I get just tired. I'm like, Oh, you know, when is the main act going to come on and all that? And that's the other thing is like, yeah, you know, you get these little flyers or whatever, these emails where it's like doors at eight and you're like, okay, that's one piece of information. But like, (laughs) when is the opening act going to start? And like, when is the fucking actual show that I paid the money for. Like <laughs> yeah, that's the primary information that I'm interested in. And they don't give you that. And so you're like, is it gonna be an hour after doors? Is it like two hours? And then it's like trying to kind of guess the right time to come so that you don't have to do too much standing and waiting and stuff. And then like you also don't know how long the show is gonna be. Is it like a 60 minute set, a 90 minute set? You know, it's just kind of unclear to me the duration of the whole experience. Mm -hmm. And as someone with anxiety, I don't like that. Like, I want to know when the experience starts. I want to know when the experience ends. That's it. It's very simple. You probably have the schedule. Just share that information with the people who are paying to be there, right? Like, it's not a mystery. Yeah, I find the ambiguity also pretty anxiety-inducing to the point where there have been times like particularly in my younger days when I you know was trying to be very cost conscious and I was like well the worst thing that could happen right now is that I go into a venue at eight o'clock and have to pay for eleven dollar beers for two hours before the band comes on that would be troublesome for the wallet so I'm like I literally would just like a message the promoter on like a Facebook event and make up some excuse and be like, can you just let me know uh, when they're coming on and usually they get back to you and let you know that information so that is a little there is a subreddit on Reddit called something like unethical pro tips or something like that. <laughs> I forget what exactly what the subreddit's called. <laughs> but I guess that would be one of them. You can make up some excuse and be like, this is why I need to know this exact information. But I, I agree. The ambiguity of that can be a little frustrating. The other 
side of it though is that it can be a little exciting like i've had some bands that i thought might come on for like an hour or play for like two hours and it's just been like the most wondrous ride and something like that like that can be awesome i i always wanted to see bruce springsteen because apparently he'll just kind of like rock and roll for like three hours and that would be the best so like that i wonder if like some of the mystery is kept in that to like for the people who aren't anxious, who are like, I'm just happy to be here and like along the ride. Whereas you and I are like, listen, yeah. I, go, I came in at eight, it's nine 24. The first band is absolute garbage and we know why I'm here. And though I should say, this is where we're going to differ heavily. I would kill, I would eliminate people <laughs> as you would say <laughs> to see live music again honestly right now um i'm like i'm craving but i'm not craving the like i want to be in a grandstand with an overcrowded stadium to say i was there i'm craving like more of like the intimate music venues that you're talking about like i'm thinking about times where like i know you don't like the eye contact i know that's a big thing so we're going to get into that but like i loved for example, like some of those really intimate bars in New Orleans and stuff like that, where you're just like walking in and listening to jazz, getting a feel for the place. You feel like you're a part of something. For you, I think you'd be okay with it because you're far enough away that you're not like right in the center of the action, but you are also, you kind of, you can feel the rumble of the music and things like that. And I like that. Like I'm not after being sandwiched between a million people and getting taking an hour to get out of a venue. Like that's not kind of what I'm after, but I do find... I really like getting lost in in particular moments because I'm so, if I'm given space to think about something, I will overthink about it. So having too much blank space for me is just not a good thing. So, you know, that's why I really do like sports or live music or something where it's just like the voice in my head. Like I started thinking about a new method I could use on my whiteboard to be more productive. And there's a voice in the back of my head that's just like, Hey, Chris, remember uh, you're three beers deep and you've been waiting to see this band for three years, <laughs> you know, and that voice in my head's like, so shut up mm-hmm. and pay attention and form some memories, you know, and I appreciate that. I haven't had that many excuses to do that as much as I would like, but I still do. I do think there's something innately human for me. I should, you know, I, I definitely know we have plenty of listeners who are more alike on your side of things where they don't want to be. We're not trying to be in the next stampede, you know, but I would love to be just around other people more sharing something that's not just virtual. So that's why I'm like really keen yeah. to have that live music opportunity again. And I also try to do what I can to support independent artists. Like if there is a artist who's coming and I can buy a record of theirs at the show on vinyl and I know they get a kickback from the proceeds of beer. I can feel a little bit better about buying an extra beer. And if I know that, you know, a lot of artists are like really struggling right now without ticket sales and things like that, because I don't think Spotify is all that lucrative for a lot of artists. I kind of like that element of it too, but I've talked about um, 64 different elements of this. So I'll pass it back to you and you can figure out which one you want to talk about. All right, let's dig into the intimate venue situation. Okay. Yeah, so, I could see you. That's amazing. Yeah. I could see you shaking your head there, and I, I knew you were yeah. getting fired up. But uh, talk about the, yeah. perhaps the eye contact here. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So the intimate venue stuff, it depends on, like, how much 
eye contact and like personal connection moments they're trying to get. You know how sometimes you like you go, it's almost always an acoustic guitarist and they're just like, they're playing and they're just like searching the crowd, like trying to make (laughs) eye contact that they won't break to kind of be like, look, I'm not looking at my guitar. And it's like, yeah, I know. I expect that. (laughs) You're a professional. Yeah, this is your job. And they're like staring directly at you, like boring holes into you. And like, as if they're trying to sing to you. I'm like, you know what? I appreciate that you are trying to make a connection with the audience. Just like, let it be the audience and not specifically me at any point ever. Like, and I'm not like such a narcissist to think that they're singing directly to me all the time. But there are moments where there is like this lock on moment and it's terrifying for me. And it's like, it makes me feel really vulnerable in a way that I find like really non-consensual and I don't like <laughs> yeah. it. I don't mind smaller intimate venues where like no one is like looking at you like you said like a jazz venue the jazz musicians they're kind of like their own little like quartet or like whatever they kind of just care about each other and making Mm -hmm. some music and they're not really paying attention to you and i feel like a jazz venue is like some people go and just listen to the music but a lot of the time it's more background music and you're kind of like invited to like chat and socialize and like that sort of thing so it's kind of like a mixed purpose space you know where it's like music but also socializing and so if you're not feeling the music you can kind of lean in more to the socializing if you're not feeling the social scene you can kind of lean more into the music and that I find nice as long as it's not too loud and my brain can handle the like kind of two tracks of like conversation and music because I find that sort of anxiety inducing sometimes is when there's like a really loud live music while you're also expected to talk to people and it's like okay, but like my brain can only focus on like one loud noise at a time. If it's kind of softer or a little more in the background, I can kind of handle it. It's just a sensory thing. But like, I really don't like live music in venues, like at restaurants and stuff. Like every now and then they'll be like, this restaurant has live music or something on Yelp. And I'm like, nope, next. Because it's like, to me, I view dinner, having dinner as like, a primarily like a social experience and also like a culinary one and so like throwing music into it I'm like but this is just gonna like interrupt all the other things that I'm trying to do with this you know what I mean and it just like it feels out of place and it's I'm gonna feel awkward talking to the people that I came with because like it's usually just one person having a live music experience you know and like doing that weird eye crowd searching thing and you're just like you have like Caesar salad in your mouth and you're half talking <laughs> to someone and it's just like that's not when you want to make eye contact with a guitar playing weirdo like <laughs> oh my gosh that's brilliant. So, yeah how do you feel about live music in non-concert settings like live music on the street or like in a restaurant so I think some of it's dependent I think your point about the like acoustic guitar player searching to make eye contact who's like this, I don't know, like in this intimate space with candles around him. And, uh, you know, that's very different than somewhere where let's say that, like a jazz troupe is like five of them and they're self-sufficient and they're actually have to focus on each other because it's all, you know, unscripted or whatever. Or they're all like waiting to see when they're going to hop in on, on certain things like that's I think that's a really different experience. I think that holds true mm-hmm. wherever you are. I've had lots of 
both. I think for me, generally, kind of based on what I just said there, I'm more comfortable walking down the street and seeing like, I don't mind when I see like a group of younger kids who are like really in a band or whatever. They're doing something interesting with all sorts of instruments on a corner. It's fun. It's lively. It's a sunny day. Or like I'm down in Kensington Market in Toronto and there's uh, yeah, a group of people trying to do something interesting together. Like to me, that doesn't that doesn't bother me. Sometimes it's more the individual. Like if there's you know a guy who's got his uh, electric guitar turned up to the nines, and uh, maybe he's not the greatest singer, and he's like taking hold of a whole corner, and you're waiting for a light, and you're like, I would rather not be hearing this. But I'm like, I I don't know. I had this voice in my head. I'm always like putting content out there that I could be crucified for in some way. Someone could call me out for something. I'm like such a flawed human in some, you know, I'm not a flawed, not like I'm a particularly flawed human, but humans are flawed is what I should say. And so like, I get so cringy on the inside and that's what would give me anxiety. Like if somebody was on the corner playing acoustic guitar and they were terrible and they were, I could see they were going for it with their whole soul and they were awful. I would be filled with literally physical anxiety because I would be cringing for them being like, I want you to be so good. I want this to be good for you. And like people are walking past them and not giving them the respect. Like that's what would give me anxiety is like the, them not being good. Like, I think it's that connection to me, like, because I put out creative stuff with writing and podcasting and all that kind of stuff. And I know that when you put something out there, it, it becomes ripe for public consumption and people will say this, that, and the other. And I haven't been thankfully, torn down too many times but like i want this person to do well like i would feel so much less anxious about it if i walk by and they were like exceptional and i could see people filming them and they were like so into it and like i don't know they were like a world-class didgeridoo player or something i'd be like you know what you go man that rocks but if they were terrible i would support them being there trying to chase their dream but i would feel so damn cringy about it and the cringe is what would give me anxiety like it's the same reason Allison, when i've talked about like shows and movies and stuff why like I can't handle scenes where like I don't know someone's like they don't know something and they're about to walk into a trap and I'm about to see them like destroy like it, I just can't watch it I, I, it breaks me it's the same thing it's the same muscle it's the same anxiety muscle for yeah, me you're too empathetic yeah I don't know I get, I, yeah I, I don't know if I'm too empathetic or too pathetic but <laughs> <laughs> both both <laughs> Thank you, Allison. <laughs> You're welcome. That was way too quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I hear you on the like embarrassment by proxy. It's almost like the social embarrassment is slightly contagious, but it's yeah. like, but they're probably not feeling embarrassed. You're like creating this experience of embarrassment and they're probably just rocking out and they're like, yeah, I know I can still improve, but the only way I'm going to improve is by continuing to suck for a little bit and then slowly I'll improve because I'm not going to quit. And I'm so not like that. I'm like, (laughs) no, if I'm not immediately perfect, if I don't pick up a cello and instantly know how to play a perfect sonata. I don't even know if no. I think that's a piano thing. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. I was like, is it a, <laughs> is it a sonata? I mean, I anyway. I, I'm still with you. <laughs> <laughs> My point is like, if I pick something up and I'm not instantly Mozart, I'm like, this was a waste of time. And so I think I kind of project that onto people, and like a lot of people who are just like, yeah, no, it's fine, it's fun, I'm learning. I'm like, 
but but how can you feel like that? Like, aren't you just embarrassed about being bad? Because I would be embarrassed about being bad. And I just kind of like project my experience onto everyone else. But that's not really true for a lot of people. Some people are just like, yeah, you know, judge away and I don't care. And I'm like, I don't know who you are and I probably don't like you, but it's really important that you don't dislike me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, it's really bizarre. It's like, I have this expectation of always being perfect and liked, even though I don't like most people, mm-hmm. which yeah. is just like, yeah. why don't I give people permission to not like me? Why do I want to be so perfect? And I don't know. Yeah, I don't yeah. get it. It's a very bizarre trait that I have, but this is kind of not going into live music. This is just kind of going into like my weird perfectionist aspect. I think it's applicable because we're talking about the the notion that you're putting yourself out there and that like, I think the, that like feeling of like cringe is, I think it's really tied to anxiety. Like I feel overwhelmed by that sometimes, you know, like mm-hmm. my face was getting red just talking about that, you know, and, and even if I don't think they are feeling that way, the person who's on the corner doing this, that, and the other, like, I think there are some weird silent signals that we send each other as people where like mm-hmm. in the same way that if I walked up to a corner and there was a big band with like trumpets and all kinds of stuff and they had, they were moving and people were moving around them and people were throwing coins and money into the basket. Like that would be something that I was like, I would kind of like probably start moving a little bit and be like, well, isn't this fun? Like I might take something from that and kind of deposit that like energy and be like, oh, great. Like as I'm more of an extroverted guy, I might, I might go on with my day like that. Whereas the opposite is also true, right? Where you get that cringe. And I think that cringe is where I, I get into that more anxious place of like, I want it to be, a me- I think this is also tied pretty heavily to my ADHD is like, you don't know what impatience means until you have ADHD. Like you want it to end immediately. There is no like, oh, I hope this ends soon. It's just like, yeah, the inclination is to like put your fingers in your ears and go like, la, 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 la. But like that would be socially, uh, if you did that walking past the guy, I mean, he has permission to come and throat chop you. <laughs> I have actually literally done that, but not live music, but riding the subway in New York. There's a lot of people who will like yeah. do dancing and shows yeah. and shit and they'll come in with like this blown out boom mm-hmm. box and like it's so you know that kind of rattle that a boom box get when yes, it's blown yes. out yeah that to me is like nails on a chalkboard and every day these kids would come in with their boom box and do their little dance routine and i'd literally sit on the train like this i just can't handle that sensory shit it's so much it's so much sometimes and like another thing that i was thinking about was like the mariachi guys on the seven train and going through like Queens, it's just like you can't escape it. It's just at some point, if you take the seven train and it's not rush hour, you're gonna get mariachi. And like it's also it's it's <laughs> the a verb, very it's the a verb very, to be like, mariachied. <laughs> you're gonna get mariachied. And the thing is it's like it's kind of a sad, repetitive mariachi too. It's not like actually like a festive kind of thing. <laughs> They're just kind of like you just know they've been going down the car doing the same little thing that you know, they're kind of bored. You know, they're doing this just to get by, you know, that it's a struggle for them, but it's also a struggle for you. And you're just kind of like, this is not a happy moment. This is supposed to be like a celebratory music thing. And it just feels like a weird moment. So I guess the like underlying thing there is like the permission, right? Like if you go into a live music venue, you are definitely being like, I want to be a part of this. And it seems like you have a lot of issue. Well, 
you have some issues with that, but the more issues around like someone just kind of barraging you with music. But I think that like we've yeah. talked about strategies we have around that. Like I had mentioned before that I think we talked about this on the airplanes episode or flying episode was like, that's why I travel with noise canceling headphones and always have podcasts downloaded because like it's almost like a safe spot or, and then I was also mentioning, I have like three or four albums that I always have downloaded that are like, if there is way too much noise going on everywhere else, I have to throw, like put that, I'll put that music up as loud as I can. Cause at least I can control that. I mean, even like, I know when I'm in that place too, sometimes where I want to control noise around me very carefully because I know I'm very sensitive to it. And like even last night, I went to sleep with two fans on and earplugs in because there was like, I needed the like muting noise and then that muted Mm -hmm. to be able to get into the space where I could fall asleep. And I think that's, you know, I can see how like noises that I can't control, like if we start recording this podcast, which has happened many times and like the dumpsters all the dumpsters and all the leaf blowers all start at the same time. Like that infuriates me, not necessarily in the same way a mariachi band showing up there would, Uh, that would be more perplexing and exciting for me in a weird way. But I understand (laughs) that I think a lot of this comes back to at least that element of it to just being desperate to control your surroundings as somebody who's has anxiety. Mm -hmm. You're always playing out how you could control something better. And then in retrospect, why, you didn't react to control yourself better, why you didn't know something was going to happen before it happened, you know, all of those things. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I think, too, a lot of people with anxiety, ADHD, and all those other fun, you know, <laughs> neuroatypicalities, you know, sense you're trying to always manage sort of your sensory inputs and, like, whether that's physically, like, you and I have railed against evil tags many a time how much we hate clothing tags and yes or whether it's you know sound related where you're trying to sort of manage the sound around you a lot of your mental energy is spent trying to create a physical environment where you can handle being a human in society without wanting to rip off your skin or ears. And although I guess your ears are. Skin, I was going to say, are the skins and ears <laughs> different? <laughs> I'm not a doctor. Um, so I think it can be really stressful sometimes to try to manage all of those different. I kind of see it as like, you know, you're being like an engineer with all these dials. And yeah, you're like, exactly. Okay, like I got to turn down this noise element. Okay. I hate these pants, so I need to like adjust them this way. I'd really like to take off my shoes right now, but I can't. All right. So instead of doing that, I'm going to just put my hair up. Like I'm constantly fidgeting with like different things to try to create this like perfect moment of like equilibrium where like I don't feel anxious or distracted by any particular thing. And so something that's out of my control, like music that just like pops up somewhere that I'm not expecting can really be like, but I didn't, I didn't plan for this. I didn't create, you know, my little, I didn't on my flow chart of like possible scenarios, you know, a mariachi band was not one of the contingencies that I planned for. So now I don't know what to do. And yeah, it can be hard sometimes to adapt. That makes total sense. I am honestly yearning for randomness to come back into my life in more 
ways like that. I mean, I, I know that some things will bother me, but the thing is I've just, I think if I was here or there, you know, if I was putting myself in positions where things would happen or wouldn't, I would find something to be bothered about in some way. And like a lot of it is like, the just taking a deep breath sort of thing. And like, that's why I like the meditation technique where you just literally count your breaths up to 10 and then back down, right? Where you're like one, one, two, two, like in and out, three, three, because then I'm like, I'm just fixated on something. And I can like, if I'm reading on my couch, sometimes the dishwasher will be going, which I've heard about a thousand times. And if I decide I'm going to focus on it for some reason at that time, you know, sometimes instead of getting up and turning off the dishwasher, like, crazy person, I will either like turn on the TV to add noise and I'll turn on the TV and put on, like I'll put on something from Spotify and put it onto the TV and have that playing to like drown it out. Or I will just literally stop and count up and down or I'll put in earplugs. I literally have it on my list right now to buy industrial strength earplugs because- Heroes are really good. Okay. That is good to know. those are what construction workers use. They're H-E-A-R-O. Hero okay, sweet. Show. Yeah. I like it. It's good to know. Yeah. That was going to be one of my tips for like concerts and stuff is earplugs. First of all, you should be wearing earplugs at a concert because that music is way too loud. It's really bad for your ears. And I actually have really shitty hearing because I went to too many raves in my youth. Yes, I used to go to raves. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's not on brand. <laughs> <laughs> and so like earplugs are really helpful for many reasons. But another thing is like it takes down the intensity, but I also find that it helps me be able to focus on like to differentiate more between like close sounds and far away sounds and stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's like if someone's trying to talk to me, I can understand more what they're saying and kind of separate that track, so to speak, from the background noise Mm -hmm. that is getting a lot of the filtering through the earplugs. So earplugs are definitely helpful for me in a concert scenario. And another thing that I would find helpful is I got to say, I love the seats. You know, I love a sitting venue. I love assigned seats. I love a box seat. If you want to get real fancy with it, like, you know, (laughs) just, you know, some way where you have a designated space. So you're not like kind of wondering where you should be positioned something where you can kind of retreat to and it's just yours, you know? And I think that can be kind of helpful. A lot of anxiety is like the what ifs, like, should I, what if I do this? Should I go forward? Should I go back? Mm -hmm. Mm, Should I get a beer? Should I not? You know, it's kind of like all these decisions and micro decisions that you have to make. Mm -hmm. Whereas like if you have an assigned seat, you can just sit in the seat and listen to the music. And that's kind of your default answer for what to do. It's like, okay, if you want to get up and do other things, sure. But like, you paid for the seat, so you're going to sit in the seat most of the time. You know, I like that personally. I like both. It, it kind of just depends on what I'm going for. I listened to like the Icelandic band Sugaros in a like a seated setting, and it was awesome because like they are so orchestral and they had like the most amazing like light show theatrical experience. It was like I was really grateful to be sitting down. I, I guess the option to sit down is good, right? Like I, I like a bit of both. I like maybe I'm getting older to the point where I probably don't want to stand for like a billion hours. I also used to love music festivals of being able to go to different stages and pop in and out and, you know, like go to there, go to there, go to there, go to there. Like I went, I think I mentioned this 
probably mentioned it in the episode, the forgotten episode, IA 11 <laughs> festivals. I'm sure I mentioned it there, but um, I remember I, you know, I went to a music festival in Serbia, Petrarden Fortress, and it was literally mm. just like 32 different stages in the fortress. And I, I loved that because I always had, it was perfect for when like 20 year old Chris with too much energy, I'd be like, I'd go somewhere and be like, Mm, what if it's better over there? What if it's better over there? Like I was just kind of wandering around, and but I, sometimes I'd just find a groove and respect that. I'm like, I'm going to stay here forever. No in betweens at that time in my life. It was all or nothing, right? <laughs> and I don't know. I mean, I I really like live music because of the, I feel like I've gotten some it's some strong connections that I've made with people listening to music. But the, the adverse reactions are the same too. Like I, I went to a few concerts that are memorably awful, right? Where like I went with the wrong people. I mean, that's the other thing too. I mean, like sometimes you go with someone to a concert and you're like, oh, I guess we don't watch concerts the same way. Like I planned on literally just like standing and observing. Like I'm not going to be the person that's like going to go up at the front and then film myself up at the front so I can show people later that I was up at the front. Like I am going to, I might take, one picture at some point to like remember that I was there. But for the most part, I use it as an excuse to be present and just like, mm-hmm. you know, and so I've been to concerts before with the people who are totally on the, we're on the same page and we're like, we go to like electronic music show or whatever. And we're like dancing, having a great time, wicked. But I've also gone to concerts with people where I'm like, uh, you are the worst. <laughs> like we don't align at all. So you've got to, mm-hmm. I guess the moral of that story is there's so many dynamics at play but at this particular moment, like if we talk about live music in episode IIA 175 million, um, maybe I'll be like, I'm tired of live music. I went to a hundred shows in a row, like after, you know, I could and whatever. But at this moment, you know, I'm more excited for any of that kind of interaction than anything else. Anything else you want to touch upon before we move further into tip-ish territory? I think that's good. And I also think I kind of used up all my tips. I think I'm done. (laughs) No, no, that's okay. I I pretty much did too. Uh, I don't honestly think I have another tip. Um, I think it's the only tip that I would just mention is that like, I think live music is something which is, it's really probably good that we're on a bit of different sides of this because I'm sure so many of our listeners will too, right? I mean, like it's not something that all people should feel one way about. I think there's probably some topics we've done where like it'd be pretty clear more people would feel one way about it than another like i'm guessing more of our listeners have trouble with zoom meetings than not you know as far as anxiety is concerned but something like live music you can be on either side of the fence so my tip really would be to think carefully about what it does for you i mean live music for me in some instances it gives me a great chance to get out of my own head and just really be somewhere else. But I also know there's the cringe potential and there's all kinds of other stuff and that's okay. But for someone like yourself too, like you might find, like, I guess the important thing would be to look carefully at the venue, the amount of people, the artist, all of these things and try to factor that into, is this going to be a good spot for me or not? Because it was kind of a quick comment that you made towards the beginning of the episode, but like that feeling of like, being in the front of a billion people and not necessarily having a very clear escape route. I mean, that's anxiety inducing too. So Mm -hmm. I think like, honestly, if you want to explore live music and the way you feel comfortable is literally looking at a, an exact map of the venue you're going to go to, including whether they have seats and stuff like or do what I did and email 
venue and be like, I need to know the time because of X, Y, and Z. Like find out the information you need to make you know an educated decision. That would be my tip for live music moving forward. It, assuming that you're talking about the kind of live music that you're opting into as opposed to being mm-hmm. potentially barraged by. <laughs> yes, yes. Then in that case, there's nothing to it but to just try not to have your face match the dread experience happening in your body and just try to be like, this is fine. (laughs) While your world burns around you like that poor dog in the meme. (laughs) Yes, I love that. Anyway. All right, Chris. So I think we can safely wrap this up. No Mm -hmm. bow and go into the back padding segment. So what are you proud of yourself for in the past week? So I wonder if we'll have a similar answer on this one. But um, last week, I kind of overdid it and tweaked my back and uh, was planning on doing some biking on the weekend. So just decided to basically, you know, like throw insults at myself for like 72 hours. Like, look at you. You're not even going to be able to do the bike ride you planned on doing, you piece of human garbage. Like just terrible to myself or whatever. And then I got, I started doing stretches and like, foam rolling and all those things that you do when you are somewhat old and injured. And then I just like got to a place mentally towards the end of the week where I was like, you know what, whether I can or can't bike this weekend, like is not really a merit of (laughs) whether I'm like a good person, a successful person in anything. It's just a merit of whether I can bike on Saturday. (laughs) That's about it. Right. So I actually stopped doing the like crazy regiments I was doing every night of like hour and a half, like stretching and rolling out and all this kind of stuff and like just like put a halt to it and was like i'm gonna give myself a chance to like rest and if i can bike on saturday then great and if i can't bike on saturday that's fine and uh yeah i was able to bike great but i spent a couple days in this like really aggressive loop um i'm like totally an asshole to myself when i'm injured i just like yeah can't find a way to treat myself as a whole unified person i'm just like to the point where we've talked about this a bunch, but like, you know, to the point where you're like, you almost are like, well, everything would be great as long as I didn't have this pain. And then that pain goes away and it's something else. Like you just like replace it with some other thing. And then we, you know, we've talked so many times about the musical chairs you play where you're like, there's always something right. And, but if you accept that there's always something, that's kind of the power you have. So that's kind of what I tried to do towards the end of last week was just be like, you know what? Great. If I can. And if not, like, it doesn't mean anything other than I can't bike on Saturday. There's no tentacles I'm going to draw from that to all my failures in life, like which is something I'm excellent at. And thankfully, I was able to bike and you know, crisis averted, I suppose. But I'd like to think that if, even if I couldn't have biked, I would have been like, and it's going to be okay. Like um, Sometimes mm-hmm. these situations, which even talking out loud about it now, it seems kind of like absurd, right? But like, you probably know what I mean. It's like one little thing you get fixated on being able to do or not being able to do, which is like really benign actually in character. It doesn't, doesn't actually matter, but you decide that it's going to be the merit of whether you're like a worthy person of anything on all fronts, you know? So right, yeah, I'm patting myself on the back for at least pulling away from that after a couple of days, admittedly. So yeah. What are you patting yourself nice. on the back for? I guess I'm just slowly kind of chipping away at these things that feel like burdensome adult things and creating less drama in my head about them, which is the more important part. You know, like I'm just like, yeah, you know what? I am in pain. And when people are in pain, they go see doctors about it. So I've been going to sports medicine doctor and trying to sort of work on some of my 
pain that I'm experiencing. I'm focusing on like I sent a bunch of packages today that involved oh, wow. two stops to two different places where I had to talk to people oh, to get my. the package away from me. And I did both of them. And Any like, live like, music or? <laughs> no live music. No. I'm Actually, there was live music at <laughs> really? the dinner I went to on Saturday, but it was like far away and it didn't bother me because I could still talk and it didn't Good. really distract me that much. So it was okay. <laughs> but yeah, I'm just kind of like slowly just trying to sort of get better at doing things and small doses and not procrastinate so hard. So I've been kind of going back to what I started at the beginning of the episode, you know, normally my thing is to wait until the day before taxes are due, Mm -hmm. do them in a hurry, usually a little bit drunk and like, (laughs) (laughs) and just try to like get it all done as fast as possible and make a bunch of mistakes and, you know, forget to deduct a bunch of things and just kind of do like a half-assed, extremely stressed, crying job of it. And (laughs) this week I'm kind of taking it in little increments. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go through like, you know, two months of PayPal shit at a time. Cause that's like where most of my comings and goings deal with. So I'm just kind of like, taking it like two or three months at a time each day. I'm just kind of working through a little block of it. And then I started one week early instead of one day early. So that's like progress, I guess, you know? Huge progress. That's definitely huge progress considering the picture you painted is uh, the uh, drunk crying 24-hour fast. Oh, yeah. No, the last time included a bottle of Rakia. So (laughs) I didn't finish the bottle of Rakia because I would be dead legally and emotionally but um, <laughs> but several little you know shot glasses worth of rakia to numb the tax pain <laughs> amazing well good on you that is a worthy yeah i do not recommend that combination rakia no. and taxes no gross, not one i've ever thought of gross components on their own somehow even worse together <laughs> oh my gosh all you needed was some live music and you'd have the perfect I don't know what combo. The worst yeah. combo. Yeah. Perfect circle of hell. Yeah. That would be that really, when I think about it, that would be your circle of hell would be like the circle would be made out of bananas. You'd have live music playing. <laughs> You'd be in a restaurant that made you really uncomfortable. And it would be on a beach. My waiter would be playing acoustic guitar. <laughs> acoustic guitar. I think he said acoustic guitar too there. But <laughs> <laughs> also that, that would be very awkward yeah. for the goose. Yeah, that's true. That would be the true circle of hell. Well, now that everyone's left, <laughs> what <are> we gonna, <laughs> after our painting of the picture of hell, um, no, they haven't. We're, we're lucky to have some loyal listeners, but we probably should kindly end things, right? Yeah. Let's wrap things up. I wanted to make a joke about a coda, but like, you know, that's like the end. I know that from crosswords, Mm -hmm. but I know it's a music thing, but I don't actually know what it means well enough to use it in a sentence, but I just wanted to say that I know that word. So like, let's do a coda. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know either, but uh, yeah, sure. Consider this a coda. We're done. (laughs) A coda indeed. All right. We'll catch you everyone soon. Post a coda. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, everyone. Have a good week.